Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Property Talk on the Tyne. So today we're going to be talking around where should you buy your next investment property. Now, there's a lot that goes into this. Some people just don't have a clue where to start. And others are a little bit more seasoned in where they should be looking. So let's touch on that a little bit to start with. So whenever you're considering and buying an investment property, I think one of the most important things that people need to consider is what, what type of property investment they're looking for. Because property isn't one size fits all. And you need to make sure that the properties that you're buying are lining up with the goals that you set, which we mentioned a couple of episodes back. Remember the smart goals that we set? You need to be making sure that any properties you buy line up with those specific goals. Some people want a 1,000 properties. Some people just want one. There's no right or wrong answer. But where you buy is going to determine probably whether you're successful with your investment and, and you get actually out of it why you started in the first place. So one of the things with the Northeast is a lot of people invest here historically for cash flow. Now, I'm going to talk you through cash flow as an investment area. Now, we're going to touch on later on in maybe the next episode as to which areas come under this. But today, we're just going to talk through cash flow as an area. So in the Northeast, um, you can buy properties that cash flow 10% plus yield. Um, an average purchase could be something like a £65,000 purchase price. Um you know, maybe between 50 and 70, something like that. And the rent would be somewhere between probably four and five hundred pounds. Now, with this particular property sort of investment type or area, you're going to be renting to tenants who are on low income or potentially even no income. Um, you're probably going to find these type of tenants don't often aspire to buy their own homes. Obviously, there is exceptions to the rule, and I'm not going to stereotype anyone in this episode. Um, but generally, they're not looking to buy in these kind of areas, which is good for you because that can mean you've got a good long-term tenant. But this investment kind of strategy does come with some risks. It is a lot higher management intensive than maybe investing for capital appreciation and cash flow or just investing for capital appreciation. Now, what you're going to find in these areas is the there's going to be frequent antisocial behavior. You're going to have things like graffiti, burglary, car theft, you know, kids working themselves of an evening and a weekend and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a lot more of that just down to the quality of the people who are living in the area. Uh, you're going to probably find that you have more frequent rent payment issues. Uh, you're probably going to find that sometimes these type of tenants, and again, I'm not putting them all in the same basket, they will at times keep things like the housing benefit or the universal credit payments that the government intend to go to the landlord, but you'll find that the tenants will keep them, particularly around Christmas time and things like that, or kids' birthdays. And what you will find is those, if these tenants do fall into a rear's way, you're probably going to find that they make no effort to get into a payment plan with you, which means as much as the returns look great on paper, it might not actually transpire a net profit or money in your pocket. And that's why we're doing this at the end of the day. So be careful here. You're also going to find that you end up with a lot more wear and tear on these properties. The tenants aren't always working. Um, again, not a stereotype, but 
they do generally have a higher number of kids. You know, you will find families with four, five, six kids in areas like this, as opposed to kind of your average across the region, which is maybe two to three children. Uh, so that can lead to you having a lot more wear and tear on your property. But what I find is in terms of maintenance or, or ongoing requirements in the properties, when the tenants actually leave, you're probably going to find that you're not just going in and, you know, looking for wear and tear. You're probably looking for some, some real wear and tear on the property, not just the odd carpet here and there or touching up some marks on a wall. You're probably going to be going in and repainting the full property, changing every single carpet or floor in the property. You're going to be maintaining gardens because a lot of them don't like maintaining gardens in areas like this. Uh, so it, it's going to be over and above wear and tear, that's for sure. So just take that into account again because we're in this for profit and anything we have to spend on the property is going to come out our own pockets or out of the business. So I do tend to recommend new investors invest in this sort of category, um, particularly new investors who have little money. Um, but I think if you have enough money to build a portfolio um, and you can't afford to sacrifice some of the return, then I would buy in a better area. I'd buy in the next category, which is cash flow and capital appreciation. Um, now, what I would say in the cash flow area is probably only around, you know, if you asked 100 people how many wanted to live there, you might find the answer something like five to 10. They're not going to be the greatest of areas. You know, the people who live there have probably grew up in the area and they're probably just going to stay there because friends and family are nearby. So that can be good for long-term tenants, but like I said, it does come with its risks. So moving on to the next type of area, so cash flow and capital appreciation. So you're not just benefiting from high yields which, as we said in the last example, was 10%, we're going to be looking for something like a 7% yield. So maybe not as good as the 10, but definitely better than the bank's returns right now in March 2022, because it could go up. Um, now, in this type of area, you may be looking for purchases between maybe 80 and 120,000. The average price could be something like 80K, and you're probably going to get rents in the region of about 550 to £650 per month. Now, you're going to be getting working tenants or maybe blue-collar tenants. And these tenants actually aspire to buy. So these tenants may move on. That might create a void between tenants. Um, but you're going to find that, they, they, you know, they're a little bit more house-proud than maybe the previous, you know, category. Um, you're definitely going to find that from a management point, it's it's a little bit less management intense. I'd say this is maybe a medium management intensity as opposed to high in the last example. You're going to have antisocial behavior. We mentioned that in the previous um, category. But with this one, it's more often at weekends. I mean, these people have worked really hard during the week. And, you know, everybody likes to let their hair down on a weekend. You know, Newcastle might have a bad result. They might have too many beers and end up having a fight with a mate or falling out with them or something. That's the sort of stuff you get in areas like this. So it's not just your general petty crime that happens day to day. It's generally influenced by things like alcohol. Um, you are going to occasionally have rent payment issues in this category. Remember, these people can't afford to buy right now, which is why they're renting. But you tend to find that it's something that's out of their control. Um, in my experience, it's something like the cars broke down, um, the washing machines broke, or it's, you know, it's maybe something that impacts them actually getting to work and earning their money. But the key difference in this section as to the previous section is these tenants will pay the rent back. They'll set up a payment plan, whether that's half this month and half next month or an extra 50 quid a month. You're going to get it. 
Because these guys don't want to harm that credit report because they'll not be to go and get credit elsewhere and they'll not be able to buy their own house, which is going to snooker them. So they will pay you back. So this is my preferred probably section to invest, particularly right now, I should say. And I mean, when I first started out, I definitely invested more for cash flow. But I'm actually now selling off some of my properties in that category. In you know, I'm less dependent on the return, and I'm more interested in you know better quality properties, better quality tenants, and better quality areas. Uh, now, like I say, my current preferred section is this one. So I do still want some returns, but I want to see the benefit of long-term price increases because that's what makes people wealthy from property. It's the increase in the property price over time. I mean, the cash flow is great. It's going to allow people to quit work, supplement their pensions, etc. But it's the long-term price increase that's going to make the difference. So for someone looking to replace their income from property, this would be where I'd like my properties. And particularly if I only wanted around four or five properties and I wanted to actually self-manage. Now, as in the last example, we set out of 100 people how many people would like to live there. <coughs> in this example, I'd say that's probably between 75 and 100. So these areas are a lot more popular than the previous ones. And the people who rent in these areas generally go on to buy in them as well. So really good. Definitely helps when it comes to if you wanted to sell. Sometimes your tenants are actually interested. Now, capital appreciation. Now, this is the dream. This is what we're all hoping to, you know, to invest in this category at some point. Now, in the Northeast, this could be a property purchase anywhere from 150000 up to 500000 Well, let's say the average could be maybe 150000 because we do still want some return. You know, it's got to be better than putting my money in the bank at the end of the day. So we might be getting something like a 5% yield. Now, that could be something like a rent of about £875 a month. And a bit different to the previous sections, your tenant quality here, you're probably going to get professional tenants. Um, maybe a working couple, um, but these tenants aspire to buy. So again, they may move on when they've saved the deposit. But generally, this tenant, particularly in the capital appreciation area, they're actually choosing to rent, and they're choosing to rent due to work commitments. Maybe they've took up a, a job in the local hospital and they're going to be there for six months. Um, in the top end of capital appreciation investor, it could be that it's a football player. He's rented a house in a really nice area like Pontyland because he's going to move on at some point and there's no point buying a nice hundred, sorry, a million, two million pound mansion. He might as well just rent. Um, now, obviously, with this one, it's definitely a lot less management intense. Um, you get very, very little antisocial behavior as well, I would say, compared to the last. Now, I mean, you do still get it. But what you tend to find in these areas is it's people coming from the lower priced areas into the area to try and steal valuables or something along those lines. So it's generally outside that's causing the trouble as opposed to the the, the local occupants. Um, and in terms of rent issues, that's probably never going to be an issue. So that can't be an issue. Uh, because more often than not, in examples like this, we tend to find the tenants actually pay their rent three, six, or 12 months in advance. I mean, these guys can afford to buy and ladies can afford to buy, but they're choosing to rent. So sometimes they'd rather just pay the rent and know that it's one less bill to worry about each month. And I mean, sometimes they even get a discount on the rent by doing so. Now, you're definitely going to find that it's very, very low wear and tear here. You're going to get a lot less calls from these type of tenants than you are from 
you know, maybe the first-time buyers who are renting at the minute or, or the lower-income property because these people can probably afford to just, you know, ring the plumber across the road and ask him to pop over and fix a pipe and pay the £50 or whatever it is to cost. They might not want to bother the landlord with things like that. Uh, they're definitely house-proud, we tend to find, um, so they want to look after the property. In between tenancies here, you're going to expect very, very little work, if any at all. These tenants want to see their bond come back, and again, you know, just from a respect point, they tend to put the property back in the condition that they found it. So if there's any damage to carpets, they'll replace them. Any paint work out of place, then they'll touch it up. So generally good. Now, this is the section that I think I'm going to be investing in in probably five to six years from now. That's going to be when I'm less concerned with the returns from the properties. Um, but these properties are a great investment still. Uh, if you don't need an income from property, and that's generally why people invest in property, remember, they want to replace their income. It's for the additional funds. But if you're not bothered about the income and you, let's say, for example, the aims to use a chunk of money that you have right now, let's say 50, 60,000 pounds, you want to invest it in one property that's very little hassle, very little management risk, but that you're probably going to see a substantial return on over time. So let's say 10 years, for example then this would be the sort of section where you'd put your money. You'd buy the best house you could afford on the best possible street. You'd rent it out. You might not make a lot of the rental income each month, but you'd probably find that the price has gone up substantially in price the longer that you've left it. So that's covered the three sections that you can buy. Now I'm going to give you a couple of clues as to when you're choosing an area, how do you know which one is a cash flow area? How do you know which one is a capital appreciation? And how do you know one that's both? Now, I'm going to give you some tips that you can look for in the areas. Now, again, you're going to find things in cash flow areas that are also in cash flow and capital appreciation areas. And you're going to find things that are in cash flow and capital appreciation areas that are in just capital appreciation areas. So this is just a general rule of thumb. Um, it's not set in stone, but it is kind of a guide. So if you're not familiar with areas... And I mean, you know, you know, you can't trust, trust us as estate agents, so you need to do your own due diligence. This is a little tip that I've found from driving into areas. I know as I'm driving in, just by the things that I can see, by using my senses, my eyes, my ears, and looking around, these are the little tips that give me a bit of an idea as to when I then go back to the office and look at the number side of things, this is when it kind of transpires. So first up, cash flow. If you're in a cash flow area, you're probably going, as you're driving through, realize that the gardens are generally overgrown. They tend not to maintain them very well in these areas. You might have sofas in the gardens. Um, things of those like. In terms of cars in that area, you're going to probably find that generally that cheaper runarounds. You're not probably going to find your Range Rovers and your Bentleys and things in this type of area. Now, because commercial property prices are generally cheap in these areas, you tend to find that you have a lot of takeaways and a lot of mobile phone shops. You also see a lot of cheaper clothing shops as well. And the local pub is probably run by the local gangster or whatever, and it probably looks a little bit rough around the edges. Maybe not the sort of place where you want to go and get a glass of wine or a pint of lager. Now, if we look at that in terms of how that changes as you get into a cash flow and capital appreciation area, Ooh, got a bit tongue-tied there. You'll find the generalies in the sorry, the gardens generally in these areas are probably well maintained, or at least in maybe 65-70% of the area. You're gonna find there's a real mixture of cars. You're gonna have the cheaper runarounds, but you're also gonna have plenty Fords, VW, Skodas, the occasional BMW, things like that. 
Now, the restaurants in these areas, remember we said in the previous example that it was the likes of takeaways and phone shops? In the better areas, the little parades of shops have things like little family-run restaurants um, or pub chains like a Harvester or a Toby Carvery. And the shops in this type of area might be things like a Next or an M&S or something along those lines, maybe a Boots Pharmacy, something along that line. Now, if we go up another step and we look at the capital appreciation areas, now this is where it's really obvious as you're driving through. The gardens are all meticulously maintained. There's not a blade of grass out of place. The cars are all brand new because you've got to keep up with your neighbour in these areas. And they are often models like Range Rover, BMW, Audi. Now, you're going to find the restaurants, again, they're probably that little step above the chain restaurant. You know, they're a little bit niche, a little bit quirky. Uh, you're going to find they are quite high-end. And the bars and things like that are going to be wine and cocktail bars with nice roof terraces or beer gardens and things like that. So, now the shops in the area, we've gone from cheaper shops to chain shops. Now we're looking at bespoke shops. You're going to see things like bespoke wedding dress shops. Uh, there's going to be things like weight rows and things along those lines. You're going to find high-end green grocers and, you know, but really nice butchers and stuff along those lines. But it's going to be boutique. Everything's going to be unique, I would say. Uh, now, you could, if you wanted to look a little bit further into these areas, you could digest things like the local crime statistics. Um, but, I mean, again, there's only so much you can really read into that, isn't it? <coughs> now, when you want to pick where you want to buy, what I would say is here's some tips, and maybe you can make finding your next tenant that a little bit easier. So firstly, uh, if it's families and things that you're looking to, to rent to, then you want to look for areas that have schools that are highly rated by Ofsted, and you can download Ofsted reports as well and look at how local schools compare, particularly if you're comparing one area to another. Uh, you also want to be looking for parks nearby and things like swimming pools, etc., for kids. If it's things like students that you're looking to rent to, then it's more around the amenities and the facilities they're looking at and transport links. They probably don't have cars. They're going to be getting the bus into uni or the metro or whatever. So look for things like pubs, restaurants, swimming pools, libraries, transport links. And that's going to give you an idea. You know, you need to buy in areas that match your tenant's criteria. But what I would say as well is at the same time is there is certain things that you want to avoid. And I would say avoid busy roads if you can. I mean, it's not the end of the world as long as they're double or triple glazed. Uh, you want to avoid things like busy railways, flight paths. I mean, industrial estates as well can be common for people hanging around after dark and stuff. So they're the sort of things to avoid, I would say. You know, abattoirs, waste transfer plants, things like that. Um, so now... You've listened to everything I've got to say, and, you know, I've waffled on for probably a little bit too long today. Uh, it's your turn to get out there and start looking. And when you're looking, if you can't find anything or you're really struggling, then you can give us a call. Um, you can ask how my property sourcing service works. And what we do there is, you know, we handle everything from finding your next property, helping you with the finance side of things. We'll actually even go and do things like the viewings and negotiate on your behalf. Uh, all the way through to the tenant referencing and the ongoing management. Now, that's obviously provided you want to be completely hands-free, and at the end of the day, who wouldn't want to be? Uh, so feel free to reach out if you are struggling yourself. I'd be more than happy to take a call, or you can just arrange one via messaging on social media or drop me an email. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and if you have any questions or there's any episodes or any content you'd like us to cover, things that you're not sure of, then please just reach out. 
Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Have yourself a great day. Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories, and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares.